It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Support of Locked On Raptors comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below the belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Locked On at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com, M A N S C A P E D, with promo code Locked On. Today's show is also brought to you by Bombus. Bombus are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bombus purchase, they donate one pair to someone in need. Find out more about what your feet daydream about at bombus.com slash locked today and get 20% off at bombus.com slash locked. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 552 of Locked On Raptors for... Monday, July 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at LockedOnRaptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. we got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. If you're an NFL fan, the season's starting up soon, so if you have a team you're interested in, make sure you're listening to the corresponding Locked On NFL show. And then if you're a baseball fan, in particular if you're a Blue Jays fan, please make sure to check out Locked On Blue Jays with AJ Andrews, uh, breaking down all of the Marcus Stroman nonsense. Uh, I don't really want to get into it on this podcast, but I'm mad at the Blue Jays. And uh, if you tune into Locked On Blue Jays, you'll be able to hear if AJ Andrews is as well. So make sure you're checking it out and subscribing, rating, review to that show, this show, all the Lockdown shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya, wherever it is you get your shows, it's deeply, deeply appreciated. And uh, let's get to today's show. On today's episode, I am joined 
for what is going to kind of be a primer for the 2019 FIBA World Cup in which Canada is playing. And because the Raptors season is kind of in the doldrums right now and will sort of be like that until mid to late September, I'm going to spend most of the next month and a half talking about Team Canada. So I figured we should get a primer out of the way and I can think of few people better to talk about Team Canada basketball than from the score, my pal John Chick. John, how's it going, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready for the FIBA World Cup. It's going to be fun. There's a lot of stuff riding on this one, obviously, for Team Canada. Um... Let's just start big, and we'll sort of get down to the more nitty-gritty roster stuff. Obviously, the big thing for Raptors fans as it pertains to Team Canada is Nick Nurse, the head coach. Haven't really gotten a chance to talk about this with someone who is you know deeply ingrained in Canada basketball. Um, what was your reaction to the hiring of Nick Nurse? Did you think it was a good idea to have an NBA guy with a Raptors connection? Did you think they kind of maybe stepped over some guys? You know, Roy Randa takes the job with the Sacramento Kings, is kind of passed by. Was there another guy out there you thought maybe would have been a good fit for the job? What was your thoughts on the Nick Nurse hiring? I think it, uh, I think it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I think that like, I, I'm not privy to what went on behind the scenes. I've never talked to people about it, but it seems like he kind of became available. Uh, I think my preference, I think that, you know, obviously coaching the Raptors, he's in Toronto all the time, he's top people, and uh, I'll give him a lot of credit, too, because this job coaching Canada basketball uh, in China this summer is going to pay a lot of money, Mm -hmm. and I think that, uh, you know, as as kind of an honorary Canadian he's kind of become, I think he was really interested in, in doing that job, and Canada basketball started talking to him, and they made a deal. I think that you know, Jay Triano leaving the program or kind of like them telling Jay Triano to kind of take a step back was kind of done for a couple of reasons. I, I think that they're desperate. Uh, they're very desperate in this tournament to advance to the Olympics in 2020. And I think that, you know, they, they kind of had to have an all-hands-on-deck all attitude, you know, whether it was coaching and, and whether it was players too. Now, with some of the players that hasn't really kind of materialized, that's highly unfortunate. But I think they wanted a guy like a like a real players coach like Nick Nurse who really demonstrated in his one year of coaching in the NBA so far and winning an NBA championship that this is a guy who's not afraid to take chances. Um, he's a players coach. The guys love him, and I think he was just willing to do it with open arms. Yeah, and I also think like the fact that he's so adaptable and just sort of willing to screw around with whatever he has on hand lends itself well to a job where. You're not entirely sure who you're going to have tonight. Tonight, obviously, he's got a ton of, you know, experience in the G League, and obviously, once the roster's set, he'll know exactly what he's working with. But until then, we don't really know who's going to be there, and we don't know what names are still going to drop out. Of course, a couple weeks back, 29 different uh, names of guys were released as the invitees to camp. Since then, Tristan Thompson has backed out. I don't think anyone else has backed out, but maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, so you've got this roster of 28 guys now. It's got to be whittled down to 12. There are a lot of NBA guys, a lot of guys from Europe, a lot of sort of fr- fresh college faces as well. With Nick Nurse coming in to take the job, do you think that's going to lend more to like a more NBA-heavy roster here and some of the guys like Melvin Edgem or Brady Heslop who, not in the NBA, but have been staples of Team Canada in the past, are going to kind of get the raw end of the deal here? Or would you expect that Nick Nurse is maybe going to sort of stick with what's worked before? Maybe it hasn't necessarily worked, but I think guys like Edgem in particular 
Like, he's proven himself to be extremely valuable for Team Canada as, like, a 3-4 sort of swing dude. Uh, do, do you think Nurse is going to sort of affect just the existence of him as an NBA coach is going to affect the construction of the roster in terms of who actually makes it or and if there are going to be some staples who are maybe left out? If it does, I think it's based on numbers because, you know, when you look at the guys now that are available, you look at the, the list of guys who are going to camp, there's a lot of guys like like rookies coming in, like mm-hmm. Keel, Alexander Walker, even RJ. Um, now, I, I don't think you, you can't guarantee those guys are going to make the team. I think that, you know, Nick Nurse is enough of a basketball guy. You know, he's probably watching up and he's going to find out a lot about these guys next week when they fire up camp in Toronto. Um, you know, what these guys can do and how they might fit on a team. They got to play the international game. You mentioned uh, Melvin Edgem. I think that. I think Edgem specifically will be on the team. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, like, in LA situations, like, unless you're the dream team, you want guys who have international experience. Edgem's done that in Europe. He's played in, like, Italy, Russia, Spain. Um, and he, he's played well, too. He's a guy who can play a couple positions. Uh, he works hard. Um, and really, you know, given our, our wing position with uh, Andrew Wiggins not being involved in this camp, um, that was the first thing that stuck up to me when Wiggins wasn't involved. Um, was that you know it, it, it would kind of light on the wing. You know, it, mm-hmm. in terms of guards, I think it's another story. I think we get a lot of depth there. But um, you know, like when you're trying to build a team like this, you kind of want to have your best players. And so Wiggins not showing up, frankly, hurts. Um, yeah, from this point forward, if Andrew Wiggins isn't going to get involved with a nat- national program at this level, I would just tell him next time, just don't bother asking to play mm-hmm. should they make the olympics should they qualify you know they might be in a position where they can say that rj barrett will start and, and they can basically tell andrew wiggins to spend the summer at home yeah but you know like so i i think in terms of roster construction look at the guys they have they kind of have a nice mix of like young players guys who have been in the nba a couple of years maybe who aren't necessarily superstars but could be close to it. Like you think of a Jamal Murray could probably end up being the de facto leader of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I think he's going to balance that. I think he's going to take guys like, uh, like Ken Birch, who doesn't have a ton of NBA experience, but it's kind of demonstrated that he can defend. Well, I, I think that there's a good chance RJ ends up on the team because even though he's young and they, you know, there might be some risk factor from the Knicks perspective coming in, you know, you know, so we want a rookie player playing in an international tournament before the season starts. Uh, his dad is also the GM of the team. So, <laughs> you know, you, you start to factor things like that. It's going to be really interesting to see how Nick breaks this down. I think that uh, he's got some options. They're not perfect options. I think not having Tristan Thompson, who's a veteran uh, of the program and in, in terms of the NBA, is, is kind of a loss. But that position isn't something that you desperately need, you know, like a real dominant traditional center necessarily in, in the FIBA game and there's going to be a couple of those guys playing but yeah I, 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 I expect that, that you know I, I think when we look at Nick Nurse the way he coached the Raptors this year I think going in a lot of people had doubts about how he was going to do it he surprised some people with some of the things he did mm-hmm. um, positively and negatively and I think that when he's building this roster I think you can expect some uh, you know kind of expect the unexpected Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and... 
made Charles Barkley the first black president. Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be NBA NBA guys cut, and that's kind of the nice luxury that we get now as Canada basketball fans because that wasn't always the case in the past. It used to be like, all right, Samuel D'Alembert is uh, a Canadian, and if he doesn't play, we have no NBA players, and it's much better than that now. So that's encouraging, and it's a start. Um, before we get deeper into the roster machinations, we should probably detail what is at stake here in the FIBA World Cup. So uh, 32 teams playing in the World Cup. Team Canada is in, I'm not sure the exact name of the group they're in, but they're in a group with Senegal, Australia, and Lithuania. It's probably the toughest group that anyone is going to be lined up in, in at the World Cup, and it's kind of to do with Canada's FIBA ranking not being particularly good. So they get lumped in with a couple of better teams like Lithuania, and Australia, Australia doesn't have Ben Simmons, so maybe that affects them positively or negatively, what, however you feel about Ben Simmons and his cowardice, but uh, it obviously <laughs> makes them a worse team. But the it's a tough group. Lithuania is always solid, obviously. Valanciunas will be there, and he typically tends to tear it up at these tournaments. So it's not going to be easy to get out, but Canada's going to have to do their best to do so because the top seven teams, it's the, the qualification is very weird. But from what I understand, the top seven teams uh, at, the, <clears throat> at the World Cup will qualify directly to Tokyo 2020. And if they don't qualify directly, you have to go the route that we've seen before. The Canada will have to play in a qualifying tournament next summer just before the Olympics, uh, and that in that kind of tournament, you can run into a Venezuela minus Grievous Vasquez and lose and have your Olympic dreams squashed. So obviously qualifying this year would be nice. I think if you're going just on talent alone, Canada probably stands as one of the top seven teams, um, but the group obviously is difficult and the, the machinations of the bracket are still yet to play out. But um, that there's a lot of stake, obviously. How much of a disappointment will be for you, John, if they don't qualify directly from the World Cup because obviously it's a tough path but it like obviously it's preferable to having to do the whole you know rigmarole of playing in a tournament that I believe is going to be during the NBA season or a lot of them will be a lot of those games will be and Canada's done pretty well at those tournaments throughout the year they've built up enough of a depth of talent through U Sports and through the G League and through having you know that now the CEBL as well I think is going to be handy in this regard having just like a deeper roster of guys that they can call upon um, and then obviously a lot of coaches have been able to sort of travel around and do that Patrick Tatum joining Roy Randall last season for example uh, for those qualifiers where they qualify qualified for the FIBA World Cup, but with all of that said, you don't want to have to play in those qualifiers because you're never going to have your full roster, and it just extends the commitment that you have to have in 2020 just to get to Tokyo, which is where you want to be. So, uh, long-winded way of asking, how much will it suck ass if they lose and, and don't qualify this summer? Yeah, it'll be really bad, and I mean, it'll be bad for observers like us, obviously, because we've kind of been following this progression for the last, what, seven, eight years or so as we've watched these, these, this so-called golden generation of players come up. Um, but it, it would be especially bad for Canada basketball. And, like, uh, yeah, I, I've talked to people 
you know, kind of off the record about this. Um, Canada Basketball needs corporate support from mm. corporate Canada. Um, I think, you know, the Raptors winning the NBA championship may start to change that. Uh, Rowan Barrett basically said that. Uh, the, they did the media availability when they announced the Nick Nurse hiring. And, uh, and, and I asked Rowan that, and he basically sort of went off and said that you need – or Canada basketball needs sponsors to, to, to basically back these guys up. They have to fly to Asia. Now I've done, I've flown to Asia many times. It's, it's like a 14 hour flight <laughs> and you, you, you're not getting out of that jet for that whole time. So when you're talking about guys who are six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, this is not to say that they're spoiled and they have to be flying first class, but let's be real here. You got to treat these guys the same way that the other guys who are flying there from the other countries are doing too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the fact that both these tournaments are in Asia, to me, is, is kind of interesting because it's literally the farthest you can go. They're, they're going to play those uh, pre-tournament games in Australia, which is literally the furthest you can fly from Toronto anywhere <laughs> in the world. Um, and so this is it's a good bonding experience for the guys on the team and for Canada basketball as a group that's traveling. But they need to be able to, to go into China, and it's Group H, actually, by the way, Canada, yeah. Senegal, Lithuania, and Australia. Um, they have to come out of there, and they have to be able to get a berth into Tokyo for the Olympics the next year. Tokyo is basically just as far as China, mm-hmm. um, because you know, like it's the Olympics. I mean, let's face it. Um, you know, can, can they tend to watch the Olympics? Maybe some of them prefer the Winter Olympics, but they will watch the Summer Olympics too. If you have a Canadian basketball team playing in the Summer Olympics next summer, um, you know, on national television, now granted the time difference is, is, is kind of wonky it's going to be in the middle of the night but you know you're going to have nba names on that team this will generate a ton of interest and it will generate the sponsor some of the sponsor dollars that they can start to kind of put together to build this program so it's imperative that they make this tournament Mm -hmm. and the easiest way to do that is to do that at this tournament in china if they go into a situation where they have to go in a qualifier tournament next spring without nba names depending on the timing if you can't get guys and you have to play with, like, say, you sports guys, um, you're kind of at a disadvantage. It depends who you're playing totally. But, you know, this is the opportunities there. The path is there. And I think they have to execute. And, um, you know, like we, we've kind of been down this road before. We saw it happen um, in Mexico in 2015 when Canada lost that game at Venezuela. Um, and that was with guys like Andrew Wiggins. Um, it was just one of those situations where, you play a good international team with kind of like this wily, grizzled coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't even have Graves Vasquez, I think, in that in that tournament. Nope. And uh, like it just—it's kind of a testament to the way a lot of like these international players play. They're going to be tough. And I think a team like Australia is going to be really tough. Like I, mean, I think Joe Ingles is still going to be playing. Um, I know Ben Simmons is not going to be playing in the Olympics. He may play in uh, some of these uh, pre-games in Australia itself, but. You know, it's tough. I mean, he mentioned Lithuania, JV. I mean, some of these guys who play, who are natives of Lithuania who play in Europe are, like, really hardcore, are ballers. So, mm-hmm. setting out, too, there's not going to be a pushover either. So, it's going to be tough, but I think for the first time, there's a there's a diverse collection of talent kind of put together on a team and, uh, and hope we pull this off. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy considering, like, where you where, like five years ago, if you were to say Canada doesn't have Andrew Wiggins or Tristan Thompson, you'd sh- you'd just be you'd throw your hands up in the air and say, oh shit, they're they're screwed. Uh, it's not the case now because of how deep the roster is. 
Um, quickly before we get into sort of like our ideal rosters, what are you like? It sucks that Andrew Wiggins isn't playing. Obviously, it'd be nice to have him play. There was maybe a chance for him to sort of maybe excel at this stage, maybe get a bit of a clean slate and sort of use it as a next stepping stone for his career, or you just use it as like the one place where he can actually be good and, t- and dominate somewhere. It depresses me to know when I talk about Andrew Wiggins, but like there was an opportunity there for him with this sort of revamped deeper roster with a bit more of a strong supporting cast for him theoretically obviously he's not taking advantage of that that's fine uh i I don't begrudge tristan thompson for not playing because that dude's played so much basketball and has been such a soldier for team canada like i get it dude you went to four straight finals you played for canada pretty much every one of those years take a break it's fine they have enough bigs to get by ken birch will be a fine stand-in um but without wiggins in particular like how does that change the shape of how Canada has to play? Like, does it make them have to sort of go more of like a, I don't know, like a ball movement style offense? Or can you just plug, like, theoretically, R.J. Barrett into that slot and just say, all right, now you're our bucket getter late in games and sort of live with the results? Like, I, I don't know. I admittedly know less about how Team Canada typically likes to play than I would like to, but... Like, does not having Wiggins really throw things out of whack, or is there a chance that maybe they're better off for it, like an addition by subtraction type thing? Yeah, I should say. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily beating up Wiggins for not playing. I mean, he has a right to decide what he wants. He's, you mm-hmm. know, summers are his. He's a grown man. I know he has a small child, so if he wants to spend the summer with his family, that's fine. I think that, you know, if there's anything, it's just that given the events of the last couple of years, there was talk that one of the reasons they made a coaching change, and this isn't confirmed by anybody, but he, he didn't get along with Jay Triano, so they made a coaching change. And I think if there's anything Canada basketball is efforting to do is to make sure that you have the best possible roster, the best possible group of talent to play in this tournament. Um, and, you know, we all know Andrew Wiggins' shortcomings as an NBA player. We've watched him in enough Timberwolves games to know when he doesn't take over when he can or when, you know, when he's too passive. It's just a question of, you know, can we have the best possible collection of Canadian talent in one group? And unfortunately, by him not by him passing on that, he was the first one to kind of bail on that. And, and again, same thing you said with Tristan Thompson. Right? He played in a you know useless qualifier, I believe, last year against I think it was Panama. Yeah. His commitment to the national program has always been there, so I'm not going to doubt him. And not to knock Wiggins either, but as far as what it does on the floor is it takes one supremely talented individual, now say what you want about what he, his actual execution, it takes probably our most uh, athletically gifted wing player mm-hmm. in the NBA today out of the equation. I don't know how it necessarily is going to affect the way they play because obviously it's a new coach with Nick Nurse. Yeah. He's probably going to implement his own system. Um, I, I do think it makes us pretty light on the wing. You know, you kind of might have to rely on a guy like Delon Brooks at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and a guy who's coming off an injury himself and missed like a huge chunk of last season with a foot injury. Um, you put him into that position. You know, you might have to put RJ into that position. You're not going to be able to rely on RJ. I mean, the guy's 19 years old. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe in, in some, in a lot of ways, it might be a real good experience for him to get out there and, you know, travel with his team in games and do what he can when he's out there because you, you, you do need guys on the wing. I think, like we said, that's where kind of edging comes in as well because mm-hmm. um, we're kind of light there. I think in terms of guards, it's, in terms of bigs, it's, it's pretty solid. Um, bigs who 
kind of can shoot too, which is always important in the NBA, but always kind of been important in the international game. So uh, I, I don't think the, the loss of Wiggins totally cripples the team by any stretch. I, you know, a lot of people came at me when I was when I, you know, when Wiggins bailed out. I mentioned some stuff on Twitter. He's like, "We're not even going to miss this guy." I'm like, "Well, it's not a question. Of you're not going to miss the guy. You just want to put the best possible team out there." Mm-hmm. So if he's not playing, then I mean, it's a minus. I don't care what you say. I, I think we have guys who can, you know. Not necessarily fill his talent void, but can certainly play to the level you have to in an international tournament. Yeah, the wing hole is pretty real. I'm looking up and down the list here, and there's just not that many guys who are very obvious fits there. And I almost wonder if they just go guard heavy a lot, which I think can work, obviously. And it's not like their guards are small. Like Shea Gilgis Alexander, six six. You got. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, if he plays, is 6'5". R.J. Barrett is listed as a guard. Maybe he just slots in as the three. He's 6'7". Like, you have size there. Dylan Brooks, like you mentioned, 6'7", as well. They're not rolling out a bunch of piddly, tiny little guards. So maybe that can be mitigated a little bit. But it certainly hurts to not have that sort of individual shot creation, right? Because, you know, say what you will about Wiggins and what he does in the NBA, he still scores 20 points a game and can get his own shot. And against the weaker competition of the FIBA game, it probably would translate a little bit better, and you're missing that element, obviously. And R.J. Barrett might be sort of like a Wiggins light in that regard right now. But as you mentioned, yeah. you can't really trust that he's going to be able to you know, do it, even though, I mean, he's had great success on, in the, on the FIBA stage before, won the U18 gold medal last year. Or was it two years ago? I can't even remember. 2017. Yeah. yeah, 2017. So he's had success on the FIBA stage, and maybe he can surprise some people the way like Jamal Murray did at the Pan Ams in 2015 and just sort of pop off the page in a way you didn't expect. But I don't think it's fair to pencil him in to be like the team's leading scorer or anything. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So with that in mind, looking at this roster, looking at sort of the, the guys who have a track record of playing with Team Canada, looking at the potentially interesting new guys, what would be your ideal 12-man roster? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot, and I should have prepared you for this a little bit earlier on, but uh, I'm a bad host, and it's the summer, so I apologize. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all right. We, we've been kind of parsing this over at work and like, just talking to people and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like you said, it like, like, like we mentioned before, it's, it's going to be guard-heavy. I think that, you know, you take guys with international experience, so what I would do is probably go uh, Shea, uh, Corey Joseph is a point guard. Jamal Murray can play the point. He's also a pretty good off guard. Um, you probably have to take Nick Stoskis as well. I know his NBA career has kind of huh. stalled a bit, but he's still a sharpshooter, which is, you know, in, in terms of depth, something you kind of need at the international level. Mm-hmm. Um, 
given what we just talked about, I think you have to start DeLon Brooks at the three. Um, you know, maybe you start edging too. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. He's a guy with a ton of international experience, has played well for Canada in the past. Uh, you slot RJ in there as well. So what, what am I at now? Oh, can, what am I at? Five or six now? Mm-hmm. Seven. So, yeah. So then we go to the bigs. Uh, Kelly Olenek probably your starting center at this point with Tristan out. Um, Ken Birch behind him. Uh, Dwight Powell probably. Well, Dwight Powell or Trey Lyles. I think probably. Powell's probably better than Trey Lyles. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just take both. <laughs> no, no, you, you can I, I take both. Like I'm just naming. I, I think I've got. I should have written this down. I got course. Seven, eight, nine, ten. That's eleven. So I got eleven guys there. You got you got to take Lyles at least coming off the bench as a big. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's a guy who can shoot. I think he can shoot better than Dwight Powell. Um, and then so you, you basically got one spot left at that point, and that that's where it's kind of a toss up. I mean, you can go, or Nick Nurse can go internationally. You can take a guy like Pangos or Kyle Wilcher, or you can take one of the young guys like Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and from what I understand, like I was reading like Blake and Corrine's thing in the Athletic the other day about how they were breaking down a possible roster. It's like some of these guys are probably going to tra- end up traveling to Australia as well, and they may not actually be on the final roster for the actual World Cup. Mm-hmm. So if you can take guys, and then they basically, when you do that, they basically become like injury replacements if necessary too. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's guys like that, like, I mean, I guess Brady Heslip's another name blast from the past, like <laughs> guy with some international experience, sharpshooter. Um, yeah, I mean, those guys specifically were pretty high on Kevin Pangos. I mean, I know he kind of struggled in his first year at uh, Real Madrid. In Spain, I think after like kind of playing really well for a couple of years, like I think where else was he before that? I think it was Turkey or something like that. But is he like, at I Barcelona mean, or you know, Spain, Spain is it Barcelona? Yeah, 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 exactly. Before he went to Barcelona, sorry, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like it's uh, you know, he's a guy with international experience, so there's mm-hmm. a guy you could probably call on as well as a backup. Uh, but yeah, no, I think so. Basically. Based on what we were saying and what I just said now, I think you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine NBA guys. Mm-hmm. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm kind of there in terms of like the number of NBA guys. I think Edgem has to be there. Um, For sure. Pangos I'm not as sold on just because I think there's so many guards, like NBA guards, that what? if they all play, yeah. maybe he's a bit of like a like, – if he's not the shooter that, say, Brady Heslop is, or the shooter that, you know, even like Phil Scrub or Nick Stauskas is, then yeah. maybe Pangos is a little bit lost. Like, what's the point of having like a like a lead ball handler if he's going to be your third string point guard? I guess would be my thinking there. Um, and maybe you could fill in with like more sort of usable role players. Um, I think I have like eight locks right now. I think I have Murray and Shea as your starting backcourt. I think that's pretty clear. I think that's probably the strength of the team. Um, I currently have Barrett just slotted in as a starting three. Maybe that's unfair, but maybe he can do it. And that's yeah. there's like upside there. And I have Powell Linick as my front court as the starting lineup. I think that both those guys can shoot a little bit. Both those guys can pass and sort of spread it out and not just be like sort of stuck under the basket. So I think I have those guys as locks. I have Corey Joseph, who's just like 
captain always there and being reliable as your backup point guard. Uh, then I have Edgem and Kem Birch. Um, Birch just kind of feels like the most obvious Tristan Thompson stand-in to me. And then I just have like a bunch of dudes to try to fill up the last three spots. And I don't know what way I want to go with it at all because I don't know how necessary it is to have like a lot of centers, but the center spot might be like the second deepest behind the guard spot. You have like Chris Boucher, who I think maybe has a case. You have Brandon Clark, like just won Summer League MVP. And we don't know if him or Nikhil Alexander-Walker are going to play because they're rookies and you know these guys tend to sort of drop out later in the process if their teams sort of nudge them that way. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Maybe because this is such a pivotal summer for Team Canada, maybe those guys will have more inclination to play. It'd be nice if Brandon Clark and Nikhil Alexander-Walker could play because I think there's like upside there that's pretty nice to see. Um, and then, yeah, I'm very much torn between like Trey Lyles and Phil Scrub as like as a Carlton guy who likes shooting. He seems like he's always kind of there. Um, and like Brady Heslip, I don't know if Brady Heslip's ever going to be on the team again, but his shooting sure is handy. Um, so, yeah, I I think I have nine locks, and then you could talk me into any number of guys for the last three spots. Even if you like you were to like to say Andrew Nembard is a wing, I could maybe even be talking to that one just because of the lack of wings. Well, I, I know he's going to camp. I don't know if he's going to because you know he's going back to Florida next year. But I right. mean, yeah, you know, I think I think you and I are basically on the same page in terms of the, the starters. I mean, I think that I think RJ starting is kind of an interesting idea. I think that it, you know, assuming Delon Brooks plays mm-hmm. because of you know the injury he had, I think that you kind of have to start him and at least give RJ some minutes off the bench. I think it's a lot to throw him into in a situation like that. Not that I'm not, I'm not saying he can't handle it, but as an NBA rookie at 19 years old. You know, these international tournaments can be kind of rough. Um, obviously, he's got international experience doing it. But, I mean, this is this is kind of to get to the Olympics. So, I think that – but, you know, I, having said that, I kind of want RJ on the team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think – and in terms of the bench, like like you said, I think I'm with you on most of that. I think there's a lot of things that can go different directions. I mean, yeah, it could be, it could be scrub rather than Haslip. I think that um, – yeah, Brandon Clark's the guy you mentioned, who I forgot about. But yeah, that's I, I think he could be one of those guys who ends up traveling to Australia and may not necessarily make the team. I think that he's obviously an incredible athlete um, at, at, to play power forward, um, even center against, you know, depending on the competition as well. I just don't know if he has enough shooting, you know, at this stage for a guy. I mean, actually, he's not even that young. I mean, he, he was in school for three or four years. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there. I mean, in terms of young talent, it's there. I think that it, I think that's the real question mark is what does Nurse do in terms of filling out the roster? Does he want more of these guys with international experience? Like, I don't know how much he knows about Mel- Melvin Edgem or Kevin Pagos. Um, I think you're right about Pagos. You've got a pretty deep backcourt already. Do you really need a guy just to kind of be like the 12th man on that roster. He, he, he might be better served elsewhere. I'm not sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, given the people who have pulled out and you look at the, the talent we have at hand, I think that we're pretty much on the same page in terms of starters. I like this team. I think, I, like, there's a lot of, like, Nick Nursey lineup flexibility, which I think is pretty exciting. Like, I think there's a lot of sort of different machinations, different sort of combinations. You could play with multiple guards. You could play with, you know, a, a whole whack of 
you know, you can play with multiple bigs. Like, I think Nick Nurse is going to be able to sort of go around and use a bunch of different combos the way he did with the Raptors in the playoffs and sort of just see what each team sort of calls for. Like, Lithuania, for example. Maybe you have to beef up and play, like, Olenek and Birch together just to sort of bang with him, with, with Valanciunas and Motiunas or whoever else they have in the front court there. With, with Australia, maybe you can, you know, spread it out and go smaller. I, I think the nice thing about this Canada roster is that I think outside of just, like, pure dead-eye shooters, there's pretty much something for everybody. Like, even the dead-eye sh- dead shooters, they have them, they're not particularly well-rounded players, and they kind of only serve the one purpose. Um, but, like, everything else, there's, like, just guys who can do a little with the ball in their hands, guys who are good defenders, guy who's, guys who can play multiple positions, and I think they can kind of get around the lack of wings because of how much ball handling they have, and I think that's going to be really valuable. So... Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, if you just were still a month away from the start of the tournament, if you just had to predict now, do the Canadians get out and qualify for Tokyo? How would you feel about making that assertion right now? Yeah, I think when you're looking at that, the roster, like we were talking about it, I think that you probably, you're going to get the toughest run from Australia and Lithuania. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the. I, I, I think the chances are good they're going to come out of this, but you know it's it's, it's just kind of like you know even snake bit before when you look at you know Canada trying to qualify in their national tournaments you kind of get worried about it. But mm-hmm. you know I think that uh, you know it, it, it is a good roster. I'm not, I, and I think you know maybe the chemistry in this is, is not bad at all really. When you, like in terms of like on court chemistry when you're looking at what different guys can do, how you might fit in different lineups. Nick Nurse, like you said, has been a master figuring that out. You know, you know, surprising teams with different looks and defenses and things like that. Um, and, and I think that you know, you know, the, they're all kind of like basically the same age as well. You know, there's not necessarily one really old guy or also a really young guy, except for maybe RJ, who's like 19. But you know, I think that I think I think it, it does have a pretty promising makeup. Um, I, I would withhold a prediction about how they get out of it because, like, like you said, it was snake bit on this before. Um, I think Australia and Wayne are going to be the tough ones. I think Senegal could be, you know, just one of those teams. Like you, look, you don't want to overlook them, like like Venezuela, you know, four years ago, where they, you know, they, they weren't supposed to win that game, but they did. So um, I, I would say, you know, giving, not, you know, Ben Simmons' absence for Australia is like one thing. I mean, we also know what a great player he is. Again, like, you know, how that adds up on the international game. He's still not a great shooter, but in that environment, he's probably hitting more shots. Certainly, his mid-range shots are a threat. you got Joe Ingles on the outside. I, I think Australia has always kind of scared me as an international basketball team. Um, you know, yeah, and I mean, you know, it, I think that Canada's probably better than Lithuania, but gonna, they're going to have to prove it on the floor, and it's as simple as that. Yeah, and the nice thing, I think, is if Canada can get out of round one, where they have the tough group, they'll be paired up in the second round and sort of the second regrouping with the top two teams from Group G, which includes Dominican Republic, France, Germany, and Jordan. And obviously France is very good. I think they have the second or third most... uh, It fluctuates back and forth between France and Canada for the second most NBA players seemingly every year. But France is very good. But after that, that is not exactly a stout group. And so maybe the pathway becomes a little bit easier once you get through that first round and you can sort of, 
you know, see a path sort of materialize where you just got to be top two in the next round with France and then whatever other teams are in there with you. Um, it's it's interesting. It's, you know, I, I really, really would like to see them get through. Obviously, it would be huge. It would be pretty monumental. And to see them, you know, qualify in a, like, just like a... I don't think it's going to be easy per se, but like just to see them do it comfortably would just be, I think, the the most ideal way for this summer to go. I don't need them to win a medal. Just like do the thing you're supposed to do with the the second most NBA rich roster you have at the tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, ex- exactly. And I mean, like like we like we've been saying, like this is kind of what the program has been working toward for a long time. It's never going to be perfect because there always seems to be some kind of you know issue with it, whether it's sponsorship issues or. You know, like, FIBA's not exactly the most clean operation in the world either. I mean, you just have to note the way Finland got into that one tournament, you know, basically with the Angry Birds money several years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's rough. Like, so, you know, you, you kind of have to do it on the floor. Um, you know, we've been building enough talent for enough years to be able to do, be in a position to do this. And, yeah, it's not necessarily a totally optimal team, but it's the best team in terms of talent that we're probably going into a tournament within a very long time, if not ever. Um, yeah, I, I would say ever. The last time they qualified for the Olympics was 2000, when it was basically Steve Nash and Rowan Barrett, who was mm-hmm. actually still playing at that point. So, um, yeah, this is this, this is the opportunity to do it. Um, you know, the fact that it's going to be happening in the middle of the night in China, I actually kind of really excited about. So I'm planning on staying up in all hours of the night to watch this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not do well for Canadian TV viewing and that sort of thing, but I think that if they can qualify for the Olympics, I think you're going to have a ton of uh, people jumping on the back when they go to Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. I think the game, the first game is September 1st, and the three games of the group, the first round, are like 3.30 a.m., 7.30 a.m., and 3.30 a.m., so it's manageable. It's not the end of the world. You can yeah, it's not bad at all. Take I, a nap I, I in the afternoon. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm, yeah. I'm down with nocturnalism sometimes. I mean, I, yeah. the U.S. is playing early in the morning because it's basically 12 hours different, so it'll be like evening there, but let the Americans have their uh, breakfast stuff. We'll get up at 3 o'clock to watch Canada. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, for people who are like stressing about this tournament, I would say it does feel because of what happened in 2015 and 16. I think because of that, people are looking at this tournament as though there's like a finality attached to it that, like, oh, if they don't qualify here, it's just never going to happen. I would say that's probably misguided because. You know, I think we talked a lot over the last decade as though there was like this wave coming and it never really seemed to come to fruition in a big tournament win. Uh, but I, I really think like the next decade is where really all of the fruit is going to bear from this wave of Canadian basketball. And like so many of these guys are in like their first run through playing a major tournament with this team, like Shea, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett. Like those guys are going to be around for the next two or three cycles, which is huge. And so I would say, even if things don't go well at this tournament, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go and, and, and like the program's going to fall off a cliff. I think it'll be obviously a, a huge disappointment, and the corporate dollars we talked about will certainly be hurt. But I think for the most part, it, it's really just going to be a um, like, like just like a really like fruitful decade, I think, to come. And I, I really look forward to seeing it. And John, man, I, I I look forward to reading and hearing you talk about it. You know your stuff on this, like the 
better than most people, and I'm really glad you could take the time to talk today, man. Uh, where can people find your work? Well, it's, as usually, you can find it on Twitter. Most of the stuff, uh, if I'm doing anything cannabis part related, I'll just be tweeting it at a roof that peach. Uh, I do NBA stuff for the score. We'll probably be doing a little bit of World Cup stuff for that, but I, I can't imagine we're getting too in-depth on Canada. But just to echo what you said, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think that, you know, like Jay Triano said a couple years ago, that the real wheelhouse for this talent level is probably actually like 2024, which is the next Olympic cycle. Um, you know, you think about it then, that's when RJ's like 23, 24. You know, Wiggins theoretically is older too. But anyways, like... Um, yeah, I mean, this isn't the program's not going anywhere, and more, more guys are committed to it than ever. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what's important. I just think that from a business standpoint, Canada basketball has had some real challenges, and I've, I've kind of come to understand this in the last seven, eight years. Uh, from working around them, it, it, they need sponsors, and like Canada's a kind of a really conservative country when it comes to business and like you know putting money out. I mean, hockey's pretty easy. It's Guaranteed to get eyeballs and dollars. So, I, you know, I, I'm not going to not. I'm not going to say can of basketball is not going anywhere if we don't make the Olympics. But at some point, you know, the product's got to be there on the floor. And I think that this is a huge opportunity, uh, you know, to get there in China or get qualifying in China for Tokyo in 2020. Uh, Olympics after that is 2024 in Paris, so it's a little bit more of a TV friendly time. But no, can of basketball is here to stay. You and I have known this for a long time, so mm -hmm. we're good there. Yeah, uh, and maybe the Nick Nurse connection and the Raptors winning the title will really help with that uh, and sort of shepherding along. I, I'm sure an MLSC partnership can't hurt all that much if you're. Yeah, no, for sure. I think they're in there, and so is uh, OVO as well. So yeah. they're involved as well, and a lot of other people with uh, some money, so that's good. So we'll see where it goes. Read John's work at The Score. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya, wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated if you do that. And uh, with that, also please make sure you buy We the Champs. That's still available. If you have not yet picked up your copy, it's available Good at bookstores. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, pick up We the Champs. It's like eleven ninety three at uh, Costco or something like that. And you can also get it at Indigo, wherever you want to get it. Uh, online, in-store. It's deeply appreciated if you pick that up. Uh, coming up later this week on the podcast, Katie Heindel is going to join me. We're going to do another dramatic reading of one of her pieces of NBA fan fiction from her days at the Classical. If you remember last year, about a year and a half ago, her and I did a dramatic reading of her Chuck Hayes fan fiction, and it was probably my favorite podcast we've ever done, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be hella weird, and uh, I look forward to that Wednesday or Thursday, depending how long it takes me to edit. That'll come out. And I'll have one more podcast this week in addition to that, uh, probably talking Raptors, maybe a mailbag or something like that. Maybe I'll get Vivek back on. And that'll be my last podcast before I go on vacation for a couple weeks out to Nova Scotia. Vivek will step in and fill in as needed over the course of the next couple weeks after I leave. But uh, we'll get some good stuff in for you this week to satiate you until I'm back. And then we'll go full bore into Team Canada. Uh, in the back half of August and leading into September. And then all of a sudden it'll be media day because it's the shortest off season of all time. All right, I'm going to shut up now. Thank you so much uh, for listening. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.